you have your Bibles, you can turn me to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And I promise I won't be long today, but the Word of God is what helps us. Amen? Praise God. So excited today. I'm so happy. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Oh, there you are. Some of you grew up in church, right? Good to have my sister Mary Lee with us. Give her a big hand today. Praise God. Amen. Amen. She's got grandkids. We've got grandkids. Amen. The family of God is growing. The other night we had the seven grandchildren in one tiny space. I thought I was going to lose my salvation. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Praise God. I like to start with something funny. As if I didn't already. Anyway, I think it's funny. I laugh at my own jokes. You know it's bad when you laugh at your own jokes, right? Anybody else do that in your family? I'll tell a joke and laugh. Everybody else sit there like, what? What does that even mean, Papa? You know? <laughs> anyway, you need to learn to make yourself happy. Praise God. There's enough depressing things that you could focus on, but we actually want to talk about focusing on good things today. As believers, we should be focusing on good things. Uh, but one day, a little girl's uh, Mother's Day was sitting and watching her mom do the dishes in the kitchen sink, and she asked her, she uh, said, Mom, I notice you have several strands of white hair sticking out to contrast to your beautiful brunette hair. She looks at her mother and asks that question. Her mother replied, well, every time you do something wrong and make me cry or unhappy, one of my hairs turns white. <laughs> I may know that mom was having a bad day. The little toddler said she thought about it, the revelation for a minute. And she said, well, mom, how come all of grandma's hairs are all white then? <laughs> hey, now. Praise God. <laughs> Can we do one more? Is this, so, is this legal? Am we okay? I promise I'll, you know, anyway. Sometimes we're just too serious. I don't know what that is. Trust me. I do funerals all the time, folks. It's, you might as well enjoy what God has given you. If you don't believe me, read Ecclesiastes 3. Read the life of Solomon, you know. And so, uh, anyway, uh, somebody says, you know, happy Mother's Day to someone who spoils me and then complains about how spoiled I am. <laughs> Good. Praise God. So I want to say this, you know, I don't know about you, but sometimes in the middle of the life, a pretty good life that we have, actually. Listen, if you're an American citizen, you have a, actually a, a great life. But I don't, I don't know if you're like me, but, you know, you guys are way more spiritual than me, I'm sure. But if we're not careful, we tend to complain more than we do be thankful. Anybody like that? We tend to see the glass half empty, not half full, right? And so we want to talk about today uh, defeating uh, your negative thoughts. Because again, as your life is always moving in the direction of your most dominant thought, whether good or bad, okay? So I want to say this right at the outset. The life you have is often a reflection of the thoughts you think. The life you have today is a reflection of the thoughts that you've been thinking. It's led you to this point. It's not God. It's not the devil. How many know it's you? It's the man in the mirror. It's the lady in the mirror. Okay. So, you know, what comes into your mind comes out of your life. I like to say it like that. You cannot have a positive life if you're thinking negative thoughts. Is this okay? This is a little bit more practical on Mother's Day. Okay. But, you know, I want to listen. The word of God is extremely practical. How many know it's filled with apps? It's called life application. And, and James tells us emphatically, do not just be hearers of the word, but be what? Doers of the word. God bless you guys. So let's pray. Father, thank you, God, for the privilege, really. And it is the honor to be found in your house on this Mother's Day, this Sunday morning, Lord, at the 11 a.m. service. Help us, God to think on the right things, Lord. We ask your blessing, God. May the Spirit of God illuminate your word to our hearts, and may we not only know it, but act upon what we've had a revelation of today. In Jesus' name, everybody says. Amen. 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 Praise God. So 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3, Paul writing to the church at Corinth, he said, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, 
They have divine power to demolish. Everybody say demolish. To demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What's a stronghold? It's a wrong pattern. It's a wrong uh, process of thought. It's, a, it's stinking thinking. It's thinking the wrong things. And if we think the wrong things, how many know it can lead us right into depression and even suicide? Anxiety, depression, worry, fear. I promise you, loved ones, that is not of God. Amen? Praise God. Amen. You're going to paint something for us today. Oh, it's already painted. Give him a big hand. Actually, give me a favor. Let's put it right down. Put it down here. It might even be better. Amen. Praise God. I appreciate all of our young people. What a weekend. They had encounter weekend, right? Kyle, how was that, you guys? Amazing, right? Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday night. Man, a beautiful group of young people here. And what was the total attendance for the whole week? Do you know off the top of your head? Hundred and four attendance for the week. Teenagers. Praise God. Amen. So we thank God for what God's doing here. Amen. And so demolish. I remember when I was a kid. Uh, how many of you remember the guest house? Remember the guest house? And remember when they demolished that thing, Lisa and Chuck? Remember we needed parking spaces, and the old church was growing, and and we needed the room. Good problem to have in church, right? And so they had this old house. And, you know, dad and the board said, listen, we need, to, we need to knock this house down so we can have more room to accommodate the parking that people were coming. And uh, so there's a process. They took the windows out. They take anything that's of value out. They take the plumbing out, the electrical, you know, the copper, anything that's worth anything out. And uh, then they bring this big old, like, excavator. I could still see it in my mind as a kid watching that thing. I was in, like, junior high. And I was a lot... More slender. <laughs> now, my son always jokes around about me being heavier than he is. But I tell him, enjoy it while it lasts. <laughs> Amen? Because life comes at you fast, right? So, but I remember that big old machine knocking down, just with a couple swipes, Brother John, knocking down that house. And it reduced it, like, almost immediately to a pile of rubble. And then, you know, they, they pick that thing up and they load it. Dr. Nestor and Kenny, they load it into the back of a big old triaxle trucks and they take it out of there and they level it and made a beautiful parking area. Let me, tell you, let me tell you this. You have the ability, not in your own strength, but in the strength of God and the power of the Holy Spirit to demolish the negative thoughts in your life too. If you believe that, why don't you clap your hands and give God some praise. Hallelujah. Amen. And so that's what Paul says. So today again, how do we defeat negative thoughts in our life. They tell us that the human brain, watch this, every three out of every four thoughts are negative in the human brain. Aside from God, aside from the Holy Spirit, that humanity left alone is like water. It always goes to the lowest point of gravity. So meaning your thoughts, think about it, if they direct your life, what you're thinking on is what you're going to draw closer to. Whether it's God and His house, His presence, His word, worship, or whether it's the dark side, okay? And so that's what I want to talk to you about today. You know, the, the, the psychological term is what they call neural pathways. And they tell us, like ruts in our mind, the more you think a thought, the easier it is to think that thought, whether good or bad. That's why so many people get hooked on pornography, because the first time that they view pornography and they know better, they feel terrible about it. They're like, oh my gosh, I shouldn't have looked at that. That was terrible. I, you know, I, I, I hope nobody finds out. And then the next time they go back and they look again and they don't feel so bad. And what's happening, like I told you last week, is like a, a dog out in the yard on the inside of a fence. He's running around in circles and he wears out the grass and actually causes a rut. And your thoughts cause ruts. This is proven medically, folks, in your mind whether good or bad, whether positive or negative. The choice, and it's not God's fault, it's not your neighbor's fault, it's not your boss or your, your wife or your husband or your kids or whatever, it's actually the person in the mirror. But the choice, and you've got to make a choice, is up to you. 
So they're called, here's another word, they're called cognitive biases, or what we would say mental filters. Are you with me? Okay. So, you know, let me give you a couple. If you, in other words, if you grew up, you know, with, say, a man who was negative to you or he was abusive, there is a tendency for people to think that all men are abusive. Have you seen this? My father abused me, you could say, and so therefore, I think all men are bad. If you grew up in a home that your parents told you that it was evil for a person to have wealth, anybody that has money, they're, they're evil. And some people grew up like that. Uh, what'll happen is later on in life, many times when a person becomes a little bit financially successful in business, they start to feel bad. Why do they feel bad? It's called a mental filter. Because you're perceiving, how many know perception is reality? You're perceiving things as truth based on what your experience has been in the past. Is this making sense today? Are you still with me? So they're called filters. The filters actually shape how you see life. So if you change the filter, you change the way you feel. Now watch this. I have this picture they took of me. Isn't that a handsome guy? Now look at what they did with a filter. Do that again. Before. The before. Show the before picture. This was in between services. They came up to me with a, with a camera. Kenny came up. He said, can I take your picture, Pastor? I said, sure. Smile. I was talking to somebody. And now look what he did with that thing. How many know what that is? That's a filter. That's a filter. That's a filter on your phone. You see, you have filters in your mind, too. Are you still hearing what I'm saying? You get the point. Get the picture. So let me help you here today. We're going to talk about how to defeat these. I'm going to give you three ways very quickly. But before that, we need to, just, you need to establish a couple things here. So people, based on the filter, the cognitive bias or the filter that they have in their mind, will respond in the same situation totally different. Let me give you a couple examples. When you get an evaluation at your job, I used to get evaluated once a year. And they would bring you in there, and you know how many go in there kind of like hat in hand and, you know, working this big old printing shop. And Brother Tom, you know what I mean. We get evaluated, right? And I remember going in there, and I'm like, oh, God, I just wanted to go well. You know, I hope I get a good evaluation. And I'd walk in there, and they'd say, they have like this little like scorecard, you know, on a scale of like zero to 10, you know. Um, you know, you're a 10. No, they didn't say that to anybody, okay? But they would, you know, and so they would evaluate you. And say, you know, maybe you need to manage time better, whatever it was, okay? But then one person would, would get evaluated by the same person in the same evaluation, and they would say something like this, I can't believe this company. This is a, do they know what I've done for them? Do they know how many years I've worked for them? How dare they talk of me? Do you know how much money I've made for this company? I can't believe this. And then watch this. The next person would go with the same exact evaluation, and this is what they would say, thank you. Thank you for allowing me to work here. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? Thank you for being honest enough to care about me, to help me develop, become a better person, a better employee for this company. Amen? So it's a cognitive biases or it's a mental filter, just like that picture. Two people can come into church. could be the very first time. And one person already has developed the mindset, now, you know, I don't want to go there. She's bugging me to go to that place. I think they're all crazy. <laughs> I heard they, they speak in tongues and roll on the floor. They're holy rollers. <laughs> well, I've never seen anybody roll down the aisle yet, but it would probably do some of you some good, okay? <laughs> I mean, let's just think about this for a little bit. And somebody, they come with these preconceived cognitive bias, mental filter. I don't like it there. They're all hypocrites. The music is terrible. I don't like the way they preach. I don't like anything about it. I can't wait to get out of that place. And the other person was sitting right next to them in the same exact service say, wow, I love the music. I feel the presence of the Lord. I feel like God has called me to that place to make a difference in my life. Can you say amen? It's a picture in your mind that you've established a filter. And listen, the facts, not the facts are not different, but the filter is. Okay? Some people read, depending on what news source you listen to, you develop 
a cognitive biases, believe it or not. An opinion, you know, I'm going to stay, skate on some dangerous ground here, but just hear my heart. Some people, when they heard the vaccine came out, they felt like that is the, the, the answer to the, all the world's problems. Not just some of them, not the virus, but everything. Okay, on this side of it. On the other side, there's other people who say, if you get that vaccine, they're going to put a computer chip in you. And the Antichrist is going to follow you around like a drone everywhere you go. And let me just say, let me just clear it up. Everybody's right. Everybody's right. Whatever you believe, it's right, okay? Just ask you. And it all depends on who you've been listening to. Oh, some of you don't want to go with me there, folks. You see what I'm doing? I'm establishing the two tensions here. That we have these opinionated lives, and if we're not careful, we could be living by what we think is truth, but it's actually false. How many of you know Jesus said, you should know the truth, and the truth shall... Oh, I thought it said make you mad. <laughs> might make you mad first, okay? So we've got we've to look at the filters in our life. There's dozens and dozens of biblical examples. I'll just give you one. Don't turn there, but Numbers 13 and 14, you know this story. Moses sends out 12 spies into the land. Remember this one? Ten spies go out, they look at the land, they come back running. And they're like, it's terrible. There's giants in that land. In fact, we shouldn't go to that land. Watch this. If we go to that promised land, it's going to get, it's going to devour us, which is kind of funny. The land's going to devour you? Think about it. Anyway, it's just a little sidebar. But yet two guys came back, one named Joshua, another one named Caleb, who said, hey, we should go up and possess the land. How many know 12 people in the same situation, the same land, the same circumstance, but with two different, radically different mental filters? Can you say amen? Fear which is not of God. The Bible said God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and that of a sound mind. Amen? Amen. Or faith. Which one do you choose? And so, watch. Not the facts are not different. It's the filter. And watch this. It's not just the filter. I'm going to go a little deeper. Is this okay? A little deeper. Now, it's going to get really practical here. It's not just the filter, but it's the frame. It's how you frame it. How many know it's how you frame it? It's how you frame your situation. It's, it's how you frame your worldview. And so I'll give you a couple examples of this. This is a tool that good counselors, if they're good, they call it reframing your life. Have you, how many of you ever heard this before? You need to reframe your relationships because it's dragging you down and Satan is choking the very lifeblood out of you by a situation that you feel helpless in. But what you've got to learn to do through the power of God through his word, through prayer, is reframe your life. Whatever stronghold, negative pattern of thinking that's dragging you down, you have the ability by God's grace to reframe it. Can you say amen? amen. How many of you like to know how to reframe a situation that's bugging you today? Amen. God bless you. I think I got the right message. Last week I asked you, what's your stronghold? What's the number one stronghold in your life? And we all have different ones, okay? They're areas. Somebody's really strong in one area, and how many know the same per person next to them could be very weak in the, in the same exact area? Amen. Okay, and so that's what I want to talk to you about in the remaining time we have left this morning. But I think that's enough. Let's just go home. <laughs> no? Okay, all right, all right. Just checking, making sure you're still listening. We're going to have a wonderful dinner. When we go back home, I can't wait. The whole clan's coming over to Papa's house. And Nana's house. Before I tell you how to reframe, can I tell you a quick grandkid grand story? Can I tell you, is this okay? Praise God. Little Lorelai, she was praying this week, and Tyler heard her praying. She was already in bed like a couple hours, right? And she was praying so loud. He went up and he said, open the door. He said, Lorelai, who are you praying for? Are you praying for mom and dad? And she said, no. <laughs> he said, are you, she pray, are you praying for Nana and Papa? No. Well, who in the world are you praying for? She said, I'm praying for my Uncle Dylan. <laughs> Sorry, it's an inside family joke, you know. 
we'll all laugh about it later, but out of the mouths of babes. Amen? So how do we reframe this thing? What does it look like? This is called a tool. It's called reframing. <laughs> what does reframing do? It creates, if you're taking notes, a different way of thinking. How many know you have the ability to get out of the rut and to form new, what they would call neural pathways in your mind? Okay? New patterns of thought. The Bible says so many verses about the mind. I wish I could just touch, but here's just one. Let this mind be in you. We have the mind of Christ. Listen, we have the mind of Christ. The problem is we don't always use it. Okay? So let's talk about this for a moment. Uh, so the great apostle Paul is in chains. Praise God. Was this something I said? All right. Let me say this. You can't control what happens to you, but you can't control how you frame it. Okay? Make sense? Okay. So in other words, somebody says, you know, I, I worked hard, you know, and I, I wanted a good job. I went to school and got a good education, but I've always seemed to be stuck in a job that's below my ability, my aptitude level. And you're, and you're thinking in this term here, look at this frame, you're thinking like this. But then a person that starts to reframe, they start to say, thank God that I have a job. See, see the difference? I know today it's not popular to have a job. <laughs> Oh, I'm meddling now. Somebody's going to get mad at me. It's okay. I'm going to keep on loving you because it's the only thing I don't want. Oh, sorry. That was Ariel Speedwagon from the 80s. Sorry about that. I had a moment, hon. That's what I sing to her. But see, because I refrain. I could fight fire with fire and get all kinds of offended and mad too if somebody leaves the church. But I'm saying, I'm going to keep on loving you. Because it's the only thing I'm called to do. How many know it's true? Let me tell you, that song has more better theology than half the songs on K-Love. God, some of them aren't even theologically sound, Chuck. I listen to them, honest to God. I like the Doobie Brothers. <laughs> Jesus is just all right with me. Jesus is just all right. Oh, yeah. It is great when you're going like 65 on your bike. Amen. Check. You got them speakers. Wind blowing through what's left of your hair. Right, Joe? You know what I'm talking about. I don't care what they may say. Amen. Some of them songs have great theology to them. How about Desperado? Think about people that don't know Jesus. Why don't you come to your senses? You've been out riding fence. Anyway. Some of you know these songs more than you know the disciples. If I did a little survey here, name the 12 apostles, you'd be like, ah. Oh. Or how about this one? They li lift us up where we belong. Pretty good, isn't it? Where the eagles fly. Or we say, even if the healing doesn't come. <laughs> You're laughing because you know this is true. Come on. Come on. I'm trying to help you up in here today. The Word of God is extremely practical, but you've got to apply it to your heart and to your life and your mind. It starts right here. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. I have so many songs go through my mind. It's, I have ADD. I don't know if you noticed. I used to feel really bad about it, but now I believe it's a spiritual gift. <laughs> None of this is in my notes. I don't know. Thank you, Holy Spirit. <laughs> Praise God. You know, when we were kids, right? I mean, they called it hyperactivity disorder. They didn't even know what to do with us back then. My poor mom on Mother's Day, I'm going to tell you, she called Dr. Brendan one time and said, I don't know what to do with this kid. He's got more energy. He's running around the dining room table, sweat flying out. It don't matter how many times we beat his butt, wash his mouth out with soap. He has so much energy, sweat flying off him. Dr. Brundage, the old, old Dr. Brundage said, try giving him a, a, a warm bath and some warm milk. <laughs> now they call it ADD. So anyway, praise God. All right, all right, back to, back to the, here we go. But it's how you frame it. I'm trying to tell you it's how you frame it today. See, people get all upset about stuff, you know. You know, they'll say, you know, I always dreamed of a great marriage. 
When I got married, I married my high school sweetheart, and now I feel like it's going to end in divorce. Or you could say, thank God that I'm a married man. Our brother is here this morning. I met him for the very first time, and he just lost his wife. How many years, brother? 50? 57. 56 and a half. And she died in November, was it? November 6th. And he said, I feel like God brought me to this church. And, and, and if you notice during the worship, he came forward and knelt down. And that's not crazy. That's the Holy Spirit moving on a man's heart, trying to help him to heal up in there. I can't even imagine what that would be like. But it's how you frame it. It's how you frame it, folks. I'm trying to help somebody here today. Is this helping? Okay. So we'll just talk about it for a minute. And we're going to get into some practical, and then I'm going to leave you alone. Okay. You know, you know, people, you know, they get into all this. At this point in my life, I expected something a whole lot different than where I'm at right now. I can't believe the way they treated me. The other person says, man, thank God for the seasons of life. David said, I once was young, but now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or the seed out begging for bread. Can somebody say praise God here today? That's how you frame it. I'll tell you about a prophetic painting. This was painted by, how old is Grace. How old is she? 15? 15, 16? This girl painted this. Grace, are you here? Where are you at? Somewhere. She's working with the kids. Working with the kids over there. Kingdom kids. She painted this long before this sermon was ever preached. Isn't that neat? And so, Paul. Let's talk about dreams for a minute. Paul, the great preacher, right? Paul wrote like 17 books, I guess 18 if you include Hebrews. Paul, the great apostle. I mean, Paul, Benjamite tribe, intellect of intellectuals, Jew amongst Jews. Paul, the apostle, the church planter, the missionary. I mean, Paul was like probably the greatest Christian that ever lived next to Jesus himself. And, and he had a dream. Watch this. If you know your Bible and you know the church history, the study of the patriarchs and all how it all connects together. Paul said, if I can get to Rome, I know if I can get to Rome now in my final days that it will greatly advance the gospel. But watch what happened. He got hijacked along the way. He was imprisoned along the way. He was put in a Philippian jail. And this is what he said. Because how many know if you were arrested, you might not exactly thank Jesus? I know you so, guys are so spiritual. I tell you, I thank God for you. Help me, help me. Would you help me? I want to be more spiritual like you guys. Come on. I want to read you now what Paul said. He could have framed his situation like this. He could have. He didn't. But let, I'm going to read you from a new translation. Are you ready, guys? You might want to write this down. This is called the NWV. NWV. Say that out loud with me. NWV. You know what that is? It's called the New Winers Translation. <laughs> you know any winers in your life? Let's put it up on the screen. Here it is. He's in jail now. He's chained to a guard. He said, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me really sucks. As a result of the hell that I've been through, I'm quitting my life group, they're supposed to say, and never going back to church again because of the way they treated me. Did Paul say that? No. No. I mean, if he did, it would have been over here. But let's take a look at what he really said. Can you put that on the screen, what he really said? Here it is. Now that I want, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, not a victim, a victor, a victor, what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Oh, there's the right frame. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. If you believe that, go ahead and say a big praise God there. Amen. Most people would think is bad. Paul said it's actually good. Whoo, that's controversial. Listen, he was chained. Look at verse 14. He was actually chained to a Roman guard, a different Roman guard. Watch this. Every eight hours. So for eight hours straight, he got to preach how good and awesome Jesus is to a Roman guard. Let me ask you, who's the prisoner here? (laughs) 
It's a matter of framing your thought life. Good or bad? Bad or good? I feel like I'm at Dr. Boyle's office. Is it better here? Flick, flick, flick. Is it better there? <laughs> Sorry. I just had my eyes examined. He's like, your one eye is getting better. I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, no, I believe I've received that in faith. Amen? Praise God. He's like, I noticed you're wearing reading glasses. I didn't have glasses on. I said, Dr. Boyle, he played for Abington. Same, same graduating class as me, Chuck. Played for Abington Heights. Difference was he was good. I was not good. He said, I noticed you're wearing reading glasses. I said, I don't have glasses on. Dr. Boyle, he said, no, I watch you on television every day. Some of you are still trying to figure that one out. It's okay. We'll continue that prayer list. Verse 14, look at, look at, look at. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters actually, watch this, talk about framing the right attitude here. Because of my chains, most of the, of the brothers and sisters have become more confident in the Lord. Oh, man. Oh, this is so pure gospel, folks. Don't miss this. And dare all the more proclaim the gospel without fear. Why don't you clap your hands right there and give God a mighty hand of praise. Mm. Because of my chains, they become more confident and bold. Uh, recent, not even on the same radar, but just like a mini, mini persecute, like not even persecution, is when they tried to lampoon and blast this ministry because we didn't close our doors. Amen. And what the devil... <laughs> What a stupid devil. What a dummy. He thought he's going to hurt God's work. You see how many people came to this church because this church took a stand for God? Oh, my God. I can't believe those people worshiping God. They should never worship God. Don't you know we're in a pandemic? God says, not forsake the assembling together of the Lord as you see the day of the Lord fastly approaching. Hebrews 10, 25. I don't believe that in a pandemic. Well, your belief system is wrong. Well, you know, I didn't get hands laid on me anointed with oil because it's, a, it's highly contagious. So was the bubonic plague. But John G. Lake had a different frame. Do I need to say any more about that? We got to frame it right. We've got to frame our relationships right. Come on, somebody. Don't get all offended. Just let the word speak to you today. I'm trying to show you situations. Paul could have easily been ticked off. He could have had a New Winer's translation, but he said, no, it's actually served to advance the gospel. Amen? So here's the question. How do we do it? Number one, I'll give you three ways very quickly. Number one, thank God for what didn't happen. Thank God for what didn't happen. How many know it can always be worse? Oh, it can always be worse. Praise God. There's a girl told her parents. She went away to college. She came back. She said, Mom, Dad, she's on spring break. I, we got to have a, a serious, I got bad news, real bad news. And I want you to sit down, Mom and Dad. This is serious. I want to tell you every word slowly so you don't misunderstand what's happened. She said, you know, I went off to school and I met this guy. And we went to the bar, we started drinking or one of these parties, you know, like you do in college, right? And she said, I, 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 we went back to my apartment and I, I don't know how else to tell you, mom, I'm, dad, I'm totally embarrassed. But she said, I got pregnant. And she said, I feel just so humiliated and embarrassed. But you know what? He's going to get a job as soon as he gets out of prison. As soon as he gets, out, gets through the, you know, the, the probation period ends and gets through rehab, he's going to look for a job, mom and dad. And they, her mom went, and she said, stop right there. Actually, none of that happened, but I did get a D in chemistry. It's not as bad as it could have been. How many of you were ever in a fender bender before? And the first thing you do is get ticked off about your car. What is this going to cost me now? They're going to raise my rates. Don't call the insurance for goodness sakes. We got a thousand dollar deductible. What we should be saying. Thank God nobody got hurt. My son 
had a hot red Mustang when he was a kid. It was a father-son project. And he was a little on the wild side. You know, wild air side. And we worked so hard in that car. My gosh, we wouldn't. We worked so hard in that car. Praise God. <laughs> They'll be doing lots of that later. And so one day he was late for school. And I won't say what son it is, but he's my oldest one who plays the keyboard here. <laughs> Get on my last nerve. And I mean, he, you know, he's always late. Senior year. I was like, you're going to be late for school. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Gloria a Dios. <laughs> You're going to be late. So one day he comes flying down the steps, you know, hair all wet. Will you get this call? My blood pressure is like up there. <laughs> and we lived in the country, you know, we had this, like our driveway was like this big hill going out. You remember, you guys were riding snowmobiles. You go up the driveway and then he literally had this Mustang. It was like, oh, what year was that car? Nine, 95. Stick, you know, perfect in the snow. <laughs> and so uh, I don't know where he gets that kind of taste from but anyway uh, he goes up the road I'm watching him out the front window and he takes that turn on that fresh snow and slides and smashes the whole side of that car on the stone wall you know we had these old stone walls where they used to keep the, the cows in and I'm like I can't believe it look at this car I see pieces of red everywhere in this fresh fallen snow if he's not all right, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> but actually, thank God he's okay. See, it's all how you picture it. Amen? <laughs> Don't look so holy to me. You do it too. <laughs> Praise God. Teenagers, right? Somebody says a mom on Mother's Day. <laughs> Is this okay? A mom, I'm just being myself here. A mom, um, like, they spend the first two years of their child's life getting them to come on, talk and walk. Talk and walk. And then from the next 16 years, it's like, sit down and shut up! <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. So number one out of three, I've got to thank God for what didn't happen. Okay? I thank God for what didn't happen. I actually got a D in chemistry. It's okay, you know. And so we can go on. And then the second one here, it is practice pre-framing. That's the second point. I hope you're taking notes. Thank God for what didn't happen. Secondly, practice pre-framing. Everybody say pre-framing. Pre-framing. Because our thoughts or frame shape what we experience in life. You believe that? Our thoughts or frames actually shape what we'll experience in life. Not only in the present, but in the future, too. How's your thought life? Some of us need to think about what we've been thinking about. Okay? So, you know, <laughs> oh, Jesus, help me. Help me, Lord. Help me, help me, help me, Lord. So, listen, you could be one of them people who say, I can't stand my job. I go to work. I hate these people. I can't stand meetings. I feel like it's death by meeting already. And, I, and you know what? When I go there, those people get on my last nerve. I feel like if I'm down, they're happy. It's like they beat me up, one guy said, and then they, then they celebrate. Anybody like that? But actually, again, we should say, thank God I got a job. That's how we frame it. Think about it. And so... When we look at this thing, we've got a pre-frame. Everybody say, I've got a pre-frame. I've got a pre-frame. When I was a kid, I played football. The judge was here last week, Judge Paula Patrick. How many of you enjoyed her being here? Wasn't she awesome? Man, that gal was like preaching 28 years on the Philadelphia bench. I mean, it, you would have loved her. She was, she was a ball of fire, man. I mean, you know, in Philadelphia, the fifth largest like circuit or court. How am I saying that right? like a court system in the country. Can you imagine the stuff her eyes have seen? An on-fire, spirit-filled believer. And I, I, I introduced her. She thought she went and started preaching. I'm not preaching here today. I said, yes, you are. Praise God. And she had this big old guy, Rick. You know, he's a big Kyle Norton. His name was, he was the NFL linebacker. Played for the New York Jets. 
And uh, I saw him, man. I mean, the guy was like a polarizing figure. How many of you saw Kyle out there? In fact, I was like, dude, this is crazy. Look at the size of this guy. I said, Kyle, my name's Pastor Terry. Nice to meet you. I'm glad you're saved. Amen. And we took some pictures together. I took some, took some, like, some pictures with him. And uh, he was so nice. He said, actually, I have multiple family members that are in the NFL. Ken Norton. I don't know if you remember Ken Norton. And then he said, I have two cousins that play in the NBA currently. They're from, yeah, from Long Island. There, It just runs in the family, right? Big dude. And so, you know, in between the services, the judge says, Pastor, she said, did you play football? I said, uh, yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you a question now. She said, what position did you play? I said, tailback. She said, you play tailback? I said, yeah. Every time I try to get in the game, the coach would say, Drost, get your tail back on that bench. <laughs> and so I had kind of an inferiority complex because I wasn't really a good football player. And in Valley View, if you're not a really good football player, you ain't going to play too much. And I had these real thick kind of Coke bottle glasses. I used to tape them to the side of my head. I wish I had a picture, maybe next week. And so I just felt like I didn't measure up, Rick. But then one day, the coach, the head coach, said to me, Drost. And I thought, oh, Lord, what do I do now, you know? I come over there. I said, yes, sir. He said, you're a fast guy. And I was like, what is that supposed to mean? <laughs> he goes, no, I mean it. He said, we timed you in the 400. He said, you actually should be running track, son. I said, yes, sir, I'll run track. So I ran track, and then I ran cross country. I kind of like Forrest Gump. <laughs> I had braces on my legs. My mom was asking you to tell you the truth. I had braces on my legs. But I actually became really good at track. I became the captain. I got set the school record. And then I, I became the captain of cross country, and I broke the cross country record. Can you say praise God? So what I'm trying to tell you is you got to start to see yourself through God's eyes. Not I'm not good at this, but what am I good at? Lots. And that goes for you too. Every person in this place has a gift from God and you've got to use it. And some of you, I promise you, have undiscovered gifts inside. And that's what I love about the word of God and the body of Christ because we encourage one another. And that's why everybody should be in a small group here. Everybody, I don't know a better study, folks, than right now that's winning the war in your mind because it all starts right here. Amen? Last point. Don't you love when a preacher says, lastly, Everybody say, lastly. Praise God. I, don't, I won't keep you too much longer. Was that Elizabeth Taylor that said that to her eighth or ninth husband dead? Sorry. We joke around a lot in our family. Amen. Or we could just sit around and be miserable. Get the picture? Or we could laugh and have a good time. <laughs> Some of you, God bless you, buddy. I like you. Praise God. So we got to pre-frame it. Amen? Thank God for what didn't happen. Pre-frame it. Here's the last point. I hope you're taking notes. Look for God's goodness in your life. Look for His goodness. Amen? Find what you're looking for. You're going to find what you're looking for. Amen? There's two types of birds. There's a vulture and there's a hummingbird. A vulture always goes for death. Do you ever see a vulture on the side of the highway? Look, they're the ugliest bird you've ever seen. They swoop down and they're like picking at roadkill on Interstate 81. God knows there's a lot of roadkill there too. Deer and all kinds of stuff. And they're pick, 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 always at the worst. They're always feeding on the worst thing. But how many know a hummingbird is the exact opposite? See, a hummingbird, they go for the sweet stuff. Amen? When we lived in the country, we had hummingbird feeder, and we had these, like, hanging baskets. And these hummingbirds, you ever see one, how fast they flap their whims? Why are you guys laughing over there? <laughs> Everything okay? <laughs> you need to pray for your first lady. <laughs> She's got, if she starts laughing... Did you hear? Silent but deadly. Praise God. What in the world was I saying? Oh, yeah, hummingbird. <laughs> a vulture always goes for the dead stuff, but a hummingbird always goes for the sweet stuff. 
Isn't that a great, when you think of that analogy? Yeah, that illustration, like, so you have the choice. You could, you could go for the sweet stuff, the good stuff. When I think of sweet stuff, I think of Cinnabon. And my son, he's like, he's just eating like crazy. Now he's going to the gym, my oldest son, right? Now I won't say the name of our coach because he'll make me do more reps tomorrow morning. And I actually have to prepare for a colonoscopy, so I probably won't be there tomorrow. But I could see it through the bad, or I could see. <laughs> you got to frame it right. I'm like, why do they do this? Can't they come up with a better way? Praise God. Anyway. Worship team, come back and rescue me here from this land. <laughs> land is plain. <laughs> Cognitive reframing, a therapist will call it. Listen, what that means is to empower you to decide the meaning. Here's the ultimate thing. Are you ready? Don't mind the entertainment. Here it is. Let Jesus help you. Let Jesus help you. This is all about Jesus. Amen? I wish we had the ability to put great big block letters Jesus with like exclamation points on the screen. Praise God. <laughs> Listen, let me close with this. 2020. 2020 was unquestionably considered to be the worst year ever in our generation. Don't say amen. 2020 was a bad year in a lot of ways. A lot of people died. It's a terrible thing. There was a, a, a global pandemic. There was a lot of craziness in 2020. Bad stuff. Watch this. The political currents. Have you ever in your life seen such strong political currents? Do I need to say any more about that? I mean, listen, and everybody was right. Just ask them. <laughs> Depending on who you listen to. And, and people, even today, still listen to so much conspiracy and feed their mind on so much, where's that frame at? So much negativity. It's no wonder that they never smile. But now let me tell you about 2020 in the church world. In January, my wife and I, of 32 years, boarded a plane, and we went to Kenya, Africa, Brother Rick and Sister Cheryl, we got on a plane and we finished a, a vision and a dream that my wife had. It was so cool to watch her coming to the forefront of what God's put in her heart. Right, ladies? And to see this medical clinic be completed in the year of our Lord 2020. In 2020, in February, we boarded a plane. We went to Israel, to the land of the Bible, to the Holy Lands. One of the most beautiful trips ever. Beautiful weather to walk where Jesus walked. I hope you'll go with us next year. We're going no matter what. We'll be there. It was amazing. We came back. We just started hearing about plague and pandemic and a couple people on this big old 747 wearing masks. We didn't know what they were. What, what is that? You know. Then we got back home and they shut the country down and they said, it's, it's terrible. We're doing it for two weeks. And then you know, you know the story. Come on. Two weeks to three weeks to four weeks to six to months. But I felt like God if he was saying to me, son, in the storm, just keep your eyes on me. Don't listen to the naysayers. Don't listen to the negativity. Keep your eyes on Jesus. The Hebrew writer said it like this. Looking to Jesus, looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. If God is for me, who can be against me? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I be afraid? Not famines, not pestilence, not floods, not pandemics. Keeping our eyes on Jesus. And it was scary at times. I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm human just like you are, folks. But we've got to frame this thing the right way. And whatever the future may hold, too. So when I got looking at 2020, I pulled out my cell phone. 
And I started looking just the other day. Brother Rick, I said, look it. I didn't see anything bad on my cell phone. All those pictures. Can I start with, I told you about the medical clinic, the two churches we built. I, I told you about Israel. And then in the fall time, we had an Easter service out there. It was wild. And then in the fall time, we had a little grandbaby named Levi George who came and blessed us. There he is. Little brand new baby grandson. Can you say praise God? That's number seven. God's favorite number. Amen. Praise God. So it wasn't that bad. Because I wasn't going to keep focus on everything that everybody wanted to tell me was so bad. I was going to choose to reframe my own life. Because I know this. Nobody, not the media, not politicians, not athletes, nobody can do that for me. And no one can do it for you but you yourself. You've got to have the right attitude. Let this mind be in you. We have the mind of Christ. We've got to utilize it. Amen? So he was born. And watch this. 2020 turned out to be the greatest year for this Assembly of God Church right here in Blakely, Pennsylvania. More people baptized in water. More people born again. I don't know what it is about bad things. I've often said, when the, when the turbulence winds, the storm winds of life blow, people go either to God or away from God. But many people came for because they were fearful or they were scared or they were worried that they weren't going to make it through the year. And there was some that didn't. But by God's grace, we got through it. By keeping our eyes on Jesus and not the storm winds of life. Most of life's battles are won and lost right here in your mind. But you've got to frame it right. Amen? The battle may continue to rage, but here's the good news. Christ has won the war. If you believe that, go ahead and stand to your feet. Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed that message. And if you did, take a photo of yourself listening and tag us on social media at Peckville Assembly of God. We'll see you next time. And remember, we love you, God loves you, and may God's richest blessing be yours.